You are listening to Patriot to the Core podcast, and I am Thad Forrester, episode number 56. Thank you for being with me this week. We are here in early May, and with the Mark Forrester Foundation's big annual fundraiser coming up on May 19th, I wanted to talk a little bit about the events that day. There's two main events. There's a race, which consists of a half marathon, also a 10K, a 5K, and one mile fun run. There's also the option to do a double dip, which means you do the 10K and the 5K. So there's plenty of options there. And then we also have the Memorial Birthday Walk, which has been changed. It's usually, we've always done it, the number of miles that represents the age that Mark would be. So he would be 37 this year on May 15th. Uh, we ended we did 36 last year, but now it's been capped. We're doing 28 miles every year for the JAG 28 Walk. And I explained that in the uh, in the interview. So I wanted to talk to Lauren Tinker, who is the race director. Lauren is also a family friend. We've known her and her family our entire lives. <laughs> she knew Mark very well. Mark's death hit her and her family hard also. Lauren also has uh, brothers-in-law who knew Mark well. One of them was one of Mark's roommates in college. And so they give a lot of their time and energy to make this race happen also for a golf tournament that we do uh, in August as well so we thank them so much for all that they have done over the years and continue to do to make to help the Mark Forrester Foundation make money so that we can provide scholarships to Haleyville High School seniors that's the main priority but we also as long as we have extra money we donate to other charitable causes that are usually connected to the military in some way but they're all nonprofits, regardless. But the, the priorities of scholarships, and we just try to have extra so we can help out other ways. We don't really we don't have a paid staff. We're just just a few of us running things, uh, or one or two of us running things, and just doing the best we can. But it allows us to do something in Mark's memory to do to do some good in the world. So Laura and I just have a conversation. She tells us about what it's like directing the race, why she chose to do it. You know, bad things that happen, last minute emergencies, and how much it benefits her to do the race every year to, to manage it. And all the, it's like a a family reunion for her now because all the, the friends that she's made and the people that come back every year. And then also she asked me a few questions about the walk. Uh, We mostly talk about the race, but we will give you some insight into the walk as well. So this is a little bit of a different episode. So tune in. I hope you enjoy this and, and maybe it will, inspire you to come join us on May 19th in Haleyville, Alabama for the Mark Forrester Price of Freedom Race or the JAG 28 Birthday Walk. All the information is on Mark's website at markaforrester.com or jag28.com. It's all the same. I'll have all these links in the show notes. So what can people expect when they attend the race? Um, At the race, it's really honestly just a family atmosphere. It is a place where like you can bring your family and you can come kind of get rejuvenated um, spiritually even in the pride of in what our pride of our country is. Um, the race brings out so many different um, types of people, like from the military to veterans to just everyday civilians. And when you're at the race, you really feel that love that the civilians and that other people have for each other. But not only that, for our country and for our military men and women. So when you come to the race, it's kind of a, a really reverence um, about it, kind of a reverent atmosphere going on there because um, we make sure that we do a lot of patriotic things throughout the race, and it's decorated in patriotic attire, our patriotic decorations everywhere. And I think that there's just a reverence there and that people really um, feel connected to it and feel like that they are doing something to show that they have pride in the country. Is so it, it's just is a it really what you expected, unique. you know, looking back, 
right when you decided to start the race to now? Yeah, no. <laughs> no, no, not at all. I guess in my head, because I run marathons and stuff, and it's kind of just business when you go, I think, to other races. Like, you go, you get your packet, you run your race, you do what you have to do, and then you kind of leave and go home. There's some, you know, events that go uh, take place after major races like that. But this is definitely different on all aspects to me. I think other people who come say the same thing. It is definitely like a love that everybody has for each other, a family, a connection. Like even people who just come one year, it's, you become connected to them in so many different ways on so many different levels. And so I feel like I'm more coordinating a family reunion and just trying to make sure I kind of make contact with everybody. And then when people get there, it's not really like a race. I mean, it is, but it's more about seeing people and challenging the people that you saw the year before and things like that. So it's kind of a neat experience and it's definitely not like rigorous, I guess, or strict like other races. It's more, um, I don't know, just more inviting atmosphere. And I've just become even more connected to it, I guess, on a personal level because of that. Well, shoot, before we get too far, why don't we talk yeah. about why you even do this? Okay. Well, of course, um, I have a personal connection to Mark and to all the whole Forster family. So um, I guess when um, when he died, I kind of went through some emotional, like, dark days or whatever. And I was um, really nervous about forgetting the connection that we had. Because to me, it was... As you know, I don't have any brothers. It was more of a brother-sister connection. So my mom just encouraged all of us to find ways that we could keep that connection with him. So this is what I do. And it helps me kind of remain connected to him and stay connected to him. But after the first two years of doing it, um, I felt like, it was also kind of a little blessing that he gave to me once he um, left this earth was because he knows. I mean, I think all we all know probably too that I definitely like to kind of stay busy and I like to have things to do. And this definitely is one way to <laughs> yep. um, kind of spend my time, <laughs> spend my time. And I always feel connected to him. And there are little things that happen throughout the year of people who call me and things like that. And it just becomes a tender mercy for me as well. So um, I kind of do it more for that, but also, like I said, just the people that I've met through this, and then you um, really start to love them and start to feel close to them, and you just kind of do it. It's not just about Mark anymore, but it's about our family and about the military men and women that serve our country, and it's just our way to kind of reach out to them and to show them that we love them and we're grateful for them. So, you know, in the beginning, it started, I guess, one route, and then now it's just kind of taken a different form, but it's what I needed, and it was kind of like maybe the healing piece that I kind of needed. So. When you came up with the race idea, Lauren, were, were we all together, or was this something you were with your family or on your own, and then you all came and told us about it later? I, I can't remember now. Seems kind of like no, I remember yeah. your mom, y'all were sitting in our living room like sometime before the funeral. Is there any connection yeah, there? We, yeah, we were all together, actually. You're right. Um we were mom and my mom and your mom had been talking for several days for hours at a time about 
um, different kind of things and that what what ways we can honor Mark and how we could, you know, keep his memory alive, not just for our family, but other people who loved him a lot. And they came up with the idea of the foundation. And I remember your mom had said, well, we couldn't keep the foundation going forever. You know, we don't have the means or the money to be able to do that. And my mom was the one who suggested um, I had been coordinating races down at the school where I was teaching. Um, and the races I coordinated down there were to benefit non- other nonprofit organizations down in Tuscaloosa. And so my mom was like, well, Lauren can just put a race together every year and we can just um, raise money every year for Mark's Foundation. And then that's when it just kind of clicked. And I think everybody thought, or, you know, agreed with my mom. So she kind of birthed the idea through, through different things. But, yeah, we were all together, and it just kind of went from there. What is the day like, or maybe the weekend or the day of the race like for you every year? Because you're busy, but I'm just kind of wondering more really what's the impact on you. Okay. It's pretty, um, it's pretty much a stressful day for me. Not the other things go so well that day, but – I have certain expectations, and I put so much stress on meeting those expectations. So I definitely live in a bubble of stress. I'm sure anybody that's ever there um, can agree that I live in a bubble of stress. However, it is, and I guess I said I I did this race so many times for selfish reasons, but it is just a weekend filled of little tender mercies where things just kind of come together. People come out of the woodwork to help me. Like on Friday night or Friday, I get there and I start setting up at the track in the field to get decorations and stuff ready. And I'll have 20 people, 30 people show up and try to help me decorate. And then we move to the middle school and start decorating there for spaghetti supper. And, I mean, people just come from nowhere, out of nowhere and just come and offer their services or bring things to help kind of make it all go well and then we clean up the spaghetti supper and we get ready to go to bed to do it again. And then the next morning when we wake up, it's all about trying to get set up before everybody gets there and kind of have that smile on our face so that we can greet people when they come in. And then I feel like the race happens in 30 seconds, all the races. I just feel like it happens. It's over. It's done. It's time for awards. And I just, it's just done in a blink of an eye. And at the end of it, every time it's the, one of the most enjoyable things that I get to do. But I definitely feel like sometimes I probably put a lot more pressure on myself than I probably should. But so that's kind of the way it well, it, all it, it seems to work there. out because even I remember one year with the walk it may have happened a few times, Lauren. But I think somebody didn't show up to man one of the, our stops, and I had no clue. Right, I'm in my own world that day, and you somehow. Right got involved and had people there at the stop for us. So we never knew a thing had gone wrong. So you're, sounds right. like, I mean, you're, you're not only taking care of the race issues, but walk ones as well, at least sometimes. Yeah. There's times that it happens. I definitely, um, I'm my mother's daughter and I have checklists and I make checklists up all the time and go through them. And then, so I definitely, that day, like I said, just live by my checklist. And if I can't get someone to answer, can't get someone or if they call me and something's happened, I definitely feel like, but it's definitely the community we live in because all I have to do is text somebody because things happen all the time. Like you said, one year, the people at our tables never showed up. And within 10 minutes of me texting somebody, they, you know, were bringing me tables. So I definitely feel we're blessed to run this race and the walk in the community we live in because there's so many people who are waiting to just help and to serve at any 
you know, point in time that they need to. So it definitely makes it easier mm. on me. What are some of the other emergencies that you've had to deal with the last seven years? The worst one that I go back to every year, and I will not mention names, but they do know who they are. <laughs> um, some sweet souls on Friday night asked me if they could help do some things and kind of showed them that you put like, stickers on our metal. So you have to put the sticker on the metal for everybody. Um, and I showed them the boxes in and asked them to do that. And so they were putting stickers on metals. So I thought it was all taken care of, the boxes there at the confession stand. And the next morning when I got up, I couldn't find that box. But not only were the medals in that box, the race bibs were in that box. And the wristbands of the people who run the half marathons, so they wear wristbands and they tear off tabs to know how many times that they've done the loop for the half marathon. And our um, safety pins were in there. I mean, there it was a box of all my supplies, and it was gone. And so I didn't discover it till like, 6.30 that morning. And I was panicked beyond panic, <laughs> like, for reaching out and, like, people, I mean, looking. Nobody could find that box. And then the race started. And people were, like, writing the race number on a piece of paper and sticking it to their shelf with tape. Like, it was embarrassing to me, but I was so stressed. And a couple hours, well, the race was already over. Um, somebody was talking to one of the sweet souls who was helping me, and he had, and his friend had taken the box to their car to take the medals home that night, Friday night, to finish sticking the stickers on, and they had forgotten the box, but they didn't tell me. <laughs> so oh, they had God. just taken the box to them, and it was the... <laughs> But it worked out, and that's what my dad said. He was like, you're so blessed because it worked out, and you didn't have any of your supplies. Like like the supplies you actually need to run the race were all gone. My finish line cards, that's before we had the time and chip. My finish line card, everything was gone. But the two people who had helped me had one on the walk with you, and so it was much later in the day when I found out they had taken the box. And they actually had the box in their car, but it was locked in their car. Oh, God. See, I never heard about that. Yeah, yeah that was probably the biggest disaster. So, I mean, little things go wrong every year. That's kind of funny. But that one has stuck with me. That happened like three years ago. And it sticks with me every year. So I'm pretty psycho about my boxes. I've got them counted. I've got tape on them with numbers. I count the night before. I lock them in the concession stand. And people have been threatened. They're not allowed to touch yes. my boxes. <laughs> All right, so you said it's a family atmosphere. What's going on besides the race up there at the football well, we school? Yeah, we have um, a Jumpin' Jack Springs in their bounce houses, and they they don't even – we pay for their gas. They drive down from Florence, so that's it. And they just bring in however many bounce houses they have available that day, whatever kind. Sometimes it's like the one where you can box each other, and then it's always like slides and – jump houses and they'll set up four sometimes even five bounce houses and stations for the kids um to enjoy during the day um and then we also so they don't charge for that no we just pay their gas i mean and they've been with us eight years this will be eight years every single year they have come sacrificed their saturdays to help us or their saturday once a year so i love i appreciate their help every year so we also have obstacles Jumping Jacks. Okay. And then we have obstacle courses set up by the National Guard 
which are kind of fun. Like people really get into that, and they do. They just started two years ago doing a um, tug of war. So you can kind of just jump on sides. It doesn't matter. And they do a big tug of war at the end. And then the cheerleaders, the Haleville High School cheerleaders come in every year and they paint faces for us. They run different stations. Like we've had a coloring station before where they've just printed off color sheets and kids can sit and color while their parents are running. Or they've done um, jump rope stations. I mean, they just bring their own equipment and they set up and they paint faces and the kids just have really having a, such an enjoyable time being able to just kind of go there and if they can't run the race you know that they can just spend time there um playing and having fun so it definitely makes it and then we have the fun run which is the one mile now you can run the one mile for real and kind of get your time on that um and see how fast you can run it but the last few years it's kind of just taken form where um, the boys who come down from Hurl or come up from Hurlburt, they'll pick some kids and they'll run with the kids and then some parents will run with their kids. So it's become more of like kind of a team race instead of individuals. So you're seeing whose team is the fastest. And it's always hilarious because mostly the adults end up carrying the kids either on their shoulders or on their backs or my dad cheats sometimes and finds a stroller and pushes the kids in the stroller. So it's just kind of become the end, it's the very last race we do of the day, and it's just become a, like become a team thing that's kind of more fun and enjoyable and um, just to watch everybody kind of fight to the death to see who can cross the finish line first with the one mile. So, Is that where the slip and slide has been at the end of it? Mm-hmm, that's where, yeah, we put a slip and slide, and um, Neymar or your mom, she buys the squirters, the water squirters, and they put huge buckets of water and they squirt um, people that slide down the side with water. And then at the very end, this was something else your mom came up with, and I loved it every year. She puts a huge cooler full of popsicles at the end. So when you finish your race, you get to grab a popsicle and go. So it's just become something where I think the adults take it to the next level, but the kids love it because it's like a competitive team race to see who can get around the one mile fast enough and then slide down the slip and slide. So. What else do people need to know about the race? It's definitely something that you want to come and stay at. The last few years we've had um, people who come, spectators, and they bring their ballpark chairs, and they like to kind of sit in line the – it's not the finish line, but it's the little, like, tunnel leading up to the finish line – I think that they've realized that they want to come and stay and kind of enjoy the day. So I don't think that that's something we knew before that people really did before, but they've started doing it. Probably the last two years it's gotten big where people come and they bring their ball chairs and kind of just come to enjoy all the races. Of course, we have four different races, and they all go on at different times. Only two of them overlap each other. So they kind of come and just set up camp and just watch and cheer for each other or cheer for the people that are running in the race and um, so really it's just something that, and then there's the bounce houses that you can come and kind of not just come to do a race, but you can kind of come and enjoy your time there with other people and, um, you know, meet new faces. I think it's really cool. We have the, I don't know the real word for it, but combat control training, they come from Hurlburt up and they're like celebrities among our community and they will stand by Mark's big, um, whatever wooden poster thing we have down the trainees will stand there and 
the members of the community will come in and take pictures with them as they stand there. And it's just like kind of like a red carpet event almost where people come to get their pictures made with these heroes, you know, and then they go and sit and watch and support the race. So kind of really neat, but I definitely think it's something that people wanted to know, like, bring chairs, come, you know, to stay and to have fun and to partake in the events that are going on. What about sponsors and and what, what's been your experience with getting sponsors? Sponsors are definitely the biggest challenge of the race outside of the actual race day, because I have to start working on sponsors in June, basically, um, in June, I start making contacts, thank yous, you know, sending out thank yous to those who did sponsor. And then you start prob- basically in July, I always tell myself like around July 4th, I start trying to send out the paperwork for the next year because I want people to kind of get it in their brain that we're having it again and we'd love their help and their sponsorship. And so it's kind of just an ongoing process all year long where you're just keeping contact, trying to find new contacts, trying to. I know my friends on Facebook hate me, but I'm okay with it because I think, oh, well, for a good cause, I start in, like, November, and I pick five people from Facebook, and I'm just like, hey, I'm doing the race again. Can you help me find new sponsorship? Because I think that's the biggest challenge with sponsorship is finding and reaching new people and kind of finding new people to say, hey, will you come help us make this race a success and make the walk a success, you know, so – Definitely, and starting in November, I kind of always around Veterans Day kind of like buckle down and start. Um, this year, I kind of made it a goal to ask for a specific amount of money from people like, hey, can you help me raise $1,000? Or, hey, can you help me raise $2,000? And so just kind of finding people, you know, not even people who have a connection with Mark. Because now at this point, I think everybody who knows that I do this and why I do it that are friends with me. So I just kind of pick different people and say, hey, can you help me? This is how much money I need, and it would greatly benefit the race. And it's proven to be successful, but it's definitely a full-time job <laughs> trying to find sponsorship. So, How many, what percentage of the sponsors would you say are inhalable, and how many are out of town? Yeah, I would say it's probably 75% come from Haleable. Haleable, like I said, I'm more blessed to have grown up in the community we grew up in because, first of all, it's people who love you for life. Like, they don't forget you, and they love you for life. And all I have to do is call and say, hey, can you help me? And then I just have people jumping on the opportunity to help me with whatever it is. I mean, so I definitely get 75% of my sponsorship from Hailable. And people who do sponsor from it, almost everybody who sponsors from Hailable has sponsored all eight years. I really don't have anybody who hasn't sponsored all eight years. And now there are some companies that add to it every year that haven't heard about it before or haven't had the opportunity before to sponsor. But for the last eight years, it's the same people. And the blessing there is they always, usually they are the ones who come to me, and I don't even have to go to them, but they come to me and say, hey, you know, we want to sponsor this year. We've already sent our check-in. Just make sure we get on the T-shirt. And so it's definitely a blessing being able to um, do the race in this community and involve the community that we can involve. Yeah, and uh, it's got to be more difficult, too, for you because you don't even live anywhere close to Haleville anymore. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> you would think I do. They think I do sometimes. They ask me if I'm at home, but I definitely um, visit at least once a month. Um, I'm there, but 
yeah, I don't, I don't live there anymore. But that doesn't slow me down because I have my, my whatever adopted family there, the Kaisers and the Cheryls, and then definitely who, whatever I email them, they run out and do for me, and then. You know, I can. They either mail things to me, or I come home. I come home once a month and pick it up from them. So, even though I don't physically live there, I definitely have the resources available there to do what mm-hmm. I need to do. What has the younger generation told you about advert social media? I should say. The, yeah, definitely. They they have some great ideas. This year's going to be our first year, and I'm not sure it'll be even be a success this year. Um, with advertising on social media, but we're going to try to get it that way. Um, some um, members of high school approached me about, we try to do a poster contest, but we always do that in the middle school. And kids can make posters about the race, and then we pick a winner, and the winner gets a little gift card to Walmart. Um, but they definitely want to start, they wanted to start a digital-like poster or a digital advertisement, and they wanted to be able to create one and be um, awarded, like, you know, whoever wins, like, you know, first place out of the digital one. So we're trying to work with that on how to, I guess, create, like, a digital event or a digital poster somehow that they can um, spread the word about the race or even, like, when the race is over, kind of an update on the race and things like that. So they're definitely smarter than me in technology and they've got better ideas than I do. So it's been enjoyable, especially this year. I said this, like I said, this year has kind of taken off where um, they want to become more involved and they're telling me things that they want to do. And it's kind of been a neat experience to see. Yeah. And, and we've had the Mark Forster foundation Facebook page for several years, but we haven't had the Instagram page except for, well, it's been way less than a year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We so. just got it. And we're not very great. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, we're trying. I know we're trying with Instagram. Instagram, I'm not as familiar with as Facebook. But definitely, we would love to see, you know, Mark's foundation grow on both of those, on the Facebook page and on the Instagram page. Because it helps us kind of, like, stay in touch with, you know, the people that are connected to Mark, with the people who want to come to the race. We can, um, you know, put reminders on there or things like that, like, this year, hopefully everybody saw on Facebook, we were able to make the post about the T-shirts. You know how we changed the T-shirts and that we definitely need to get their order in before the race because the type of T-shirt has been changed. So I put that out on Facebook, put that out on Instagram, and hopefully people saw it and then people will make a mental note. And I've actually gotten several emails from people already saying to save them a T-shirt and their size and things like that. So Yeah, but what about early registration? Because that's really the key, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Early registration. Man, I wish people would register early. It would definitely just be like this little, like, I guess the cherry on top of the ice cream or whatever. Early registration would help in so many ways just because we don't have to bulk order. Like, we would know how much to order and not over-order things or not over-staff our volunteers, you know, and I can send people other places and I don't have to use as many resources but I always just kind of guesstimate every year because early registration doesn't do well for our race for whatever reason. <laughs> uh, I wish it doesn't it do well for the walk either. Okay. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That if one, I could wave a magic magic wand, I'd have everybody register early or as many people as I could. But um, 
it just helps and you know ordering the t-shirts and getting race bids and ordering how many um now that we do timing chips we have to tell them round about how many timing chips to bring and we are charged per timing chip even if it's not used so like little things like that like early registration would help but yeah yeah so what what else about the race would do you want to share because i think there's been some good insight but then you think Think of people who haven't done it before. What what do you want them to know? Definitely come early if you can. Get to think of the police officers in Hayville who dedicate their time for free to close our roads. They're very um, they're dead set on not letting people down once they've closed the roads off because they get nervous that the race will start and somehow somebody will get hit by a car. So every year, people tell me that they you know, have to kind of park and walk in once the roads become closed. So definitely, if you can get there early, I mean, the race doesn't even start till 8.30. We start for registration at 7, but we have opening ceremonies at 8. And this year, the walkers might, we're hoping y'all will work it out and y'all um, will be there with us. But get there early so that you can kind of kind of get set up and enjoy the day. Um, and then just come with sunscreen because it gets hot and you get burnt. And other than that, you're going to want to stay all day. People always say, I was only going to stay for this race. They end up staying all day. And most of them end up staying to that night when the walkers come in. So come to, you know, stay and have fun and bring some sunscreen. Well, good. And I've heard from runners that the course is hilly. So mm-hmm. I guess people need to be prepared for Haleville isn't a hilly silly. A hilly, God, I only said it again. Haleville is a hilly city or town. It is. But, you know, uh, the first year we ran that course, so it's a certified course. We had people come out from the um, track, the United Track Association or National Track Association. I'm sorry, I'm butchering the name now, but and certified it our first year. And so certification lasts for 10 years, and it, they also sanctioned it as well. So what that means is that people can add it. If real runners wanted to come, like real runners, I'd say, and people who keep running portfolios and need it for various races or whatever, they can add it to the running portfolio. So since it's certified, we don't want to change it. I mean, we could get a new route certified, but our very first year, um, I had a group of guys come up to me and tell me they never wanted it changed. They knew Mark personally. And they had worked with him and trained with him and stuff, and they said that that it would be a course that Mark would consider um, something that would be challenging to him even, you know, to be able to do it over and over like that. So kind of they sealed the deal that year with me when they said that. If it's something that kind of makes people think of Mark while they're doing it, then we kind of set that standard but like you said there's kind of not any way of getting out of hills anyway you're going to run a hill somewhere in Haleville so we just kind of kept the race and it is a very challenging race however I just want people to know I run it every year I run it on Friday before it's ran on Saturday so I do run it I do know what it feels like (laughs) that's good hey one more thing Lauren what about that year I don't know this is probably 2012 where the the boy was supposed to show up with his band and he was going to sing and they showed up way late and there was a scene. Yeah. That <laughs> and was, he tried to block uh, that out. Yeah, I did actually block that out. So thank you very much because I can't believe I didn't say that was the worst day of my life probably to this day. But, yeah, so we have had 
we what we get a lot of times, and I think people don't realize this, I get a lot of phone calls, even throughout the year, from just random people all the time saying, I want to be a part. And I love that. I love that so much. And that just means, even people who are saying, say things like, oh, I never met Mark. I didn't know who he was, but I want to be a part. Like we've even gotten that this year, people who just want to come in from wherever. Um, but I think it's so hard to explain to people the process of the race. And I think people sometimes want the race to conform to, conform to what they need. And, and you just can't make a race conform to what you need. So, yeah, he definitely wanted me to kind of push the race back a little bit because they were going to be late getting there and keep all the runners there. And I tried to explain to him that that doesn't really work. You know, once somebody runs, they usually want to leave. And anyway, he got lost too. So he got there late. And by the time he and his band got there and started unloading, and I have to say a huge shout out to Joseph, your brother, Joseph Forster, who has always been perfect in my eyes, but it made him even more perfect. Um, thank goodness he did not leave my side the whole time because Duke got off the bus mad because there was four people there. And it was Sarah and Doug, my sister and brother-in-law, and Joseph and myself, basically. I think Ray might have been there for a second. And he was heated, and he wanted to know, you know, where the crowd was. He'd driven this whole way. He was doing this for free. And I should have thanked him. And it was bad, but when I did not even have to open my mouth. Joseph took up for me, and Joseph put the dude in his place, and they packed up, and they left. And... It was done, and it was over, but, man, it was definitely something that <laughs> I hope to never relive. It was embarrassing to me, too. But mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and that boy, those... so what, a little backstory is he had seen Coming Home, so on, on Lifetime, right. the series, several years ago. It aired in March of 2011. He had seen that and said, man, I want to I sing a song about Mark. So he and, and another guy or some folks wrote a song. They got with me. Thought the song sounded great, and this this boy was wanting to be a country singer. And he was probably right. about 18 years old at the time. He was in high school, at least in 2011-ish. So yeah, he, he worked it out with you, yeah, to, he wanted to come over and, and perform. Mm-hmm. Great idea. Right. right. And he shows up on some really nice tour bus, I think, and then he shows his butt right. and is just a complete jerk. And then he tells me later... Through some communications, he starts. He's really bad mouthing, you know, you and the family and Mark, and and he says, "My band, we threw we threw Mark's bracelets out the window of the bus." So anyway, I mean, it's just a classless, classless little twerp, yeah. is what he was. All right, but you know, things like I have to say this. I think probably you have to know Mark really well to know that. I think on things like that, Mark's laughing so hard, like just I, little things happen every year that I always think it's kind of Mark's way of getting me back. Because I honestly believe that he would probably murder me if he knew, you know, that we did certain things that we didn't like. You know, he didn't really like attention. He didn't really like to have all that, you know, things pointed to him. So every once in a while during a race, like when the box went missing or when that happened or whatever, I always think that that's just little signs that Mark's kind of (laughs) – showing that he's having fun with this whole thing too so in the back of my mind he would have laughed that off and you know gone on about it so i'm just like oh well that's just one of those little things that Mm -hmm. you just shake your head at and you think oh well mark enjoyed that probably so 
Well, I mean, Lauren, you and your family have been huge supporters, and and I know y'all, and it's I know you work your butt off for this thing, but probably every member of your family does. Y'all are always there. Most of you live pretty far away, so, you know, several hours away from Haleville. And so thank you for supporting yeah. Mark and the foundation. And this is this is our big big fundraiser of the year. Right. And I do want to say that. I do want to add, like, everybody tells me every year, like, oh, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it. And you're exactly right. It's I don't do it. I have Sarah and Doug probably and I meet weekly. I would say weekly starting in November. Um, we have a time set aside Sunday. I just talk to them that we go over things. And, you know, if anybody is like Doug on this earth, I mean, like Mark on this earth, it's definitely Doug. And, you know, I get in trouble with him for the fonts I use sometimes. And, like, that's not Mark approved font or whatever on papers that I'm doing <laughs> flyers I'm doing. And there's just things that, like, it's not me. It's really not me. You know, and then Mary and Jay are huge sponsor go-getters. They get me sponsors. They get me find me things that I need, things that I don't even think about. And then Leah always contributes. And then I have Janet and Canella who don't leave my side, you know, for 48 hours the day of the race. And then really the masterminds behind it all are my parents. So this race would not be what it is without my family um supporting me so people always tell me like and I get that's why I get embarrassed I do because they're like I don't know how you do I don't know how you do and I just want people to know if anybody knew anything like it's not me it's definitely my family which you know my family's been like this since we were young growing up always supportive of each other but definitely takes a different outlet a different look because it does involve Mark and Mark has been so important to our family for forever but this is definitely not a one-woman show it definitely takes a team of people to make it what it is. So. Oh yeah, and Leah takes incredible pictures, and so we've missed her a few times now, and since she's across the country, so right. we'll miss you again, Leah. She's about to have a baby boy number two. Yeah, Monday tomorrow. Oh dang. Um, yeah, so real close, but yeah, you're exactly right. And then there's just so many people in our community. Like, if anybody saw my Facebook page two weeks ago, June Hagedorn posted, "Don't forget, I had the roles this year." That's exactly what she was talking about. She's talking about for the Spaghetti Supper the night before Mark's race. Like, I haven't had to think about getting roles for the Spaghetti Supper ever. Like, people, Todd Barton shows up with all the meat and cooks the sauce every night. June Hagler always brings all the roles. People just come out of the woodwork. So when people tell me, like, I don't know how you do it, I don't know how you do it, like, there are not words to describe how I do it because I don't do it. It's all these people who come to me and allow me the opportunity to do it because and sometimes I feel selfish because it is definitely something that like is precious to me and enjoyable to me but all these people do do it to support Mark and to support our families and so it's really honestly it's a huge blessing in my life that I have the opportunity to do this every year okay I guess for me because I never really get to have that opportunity to do the walk because I'm always involved in the race. So I kind of always just wonder, like, can I, I want to start with the thing that I always think about, which may be selfish, but sorry. So, like, tell me, can you tell me a little bit about what it's like when you're at Mark's graveside with all these people who have, you know, paid money to come kill themselves for a day, you know, basically. So can you kind of describe that, maybe the atmosphere there? Yeah, we definitely have some time for people to just to go kind of kneel down and pay their respects. And especially, you know, mostly Mark's teammates, whether they knew him or not, that's a big deal to them, I think. 
and they'll they'll kneel down and say a quick prayer or talk to Mark or, or whatever the case may be, but that's how they show their respect in some way or another. And uh, we do that. So first of all, right when we get to the cemetery, we actually form a circle and do memorial push-ups. For those people who don't know what memorial push-ups are, you'll either find out when you do the walk or if you come and watch the race. You know, racers take part in memorial push-ups too, at least those who want to. So it's a, I think it's a powerful, I don't know what you call it, just a physical, it's a, it's a great exercise that's a memorial push-ups. It's, it's, it's definitely um, a tradition in the combat control community at least. Uh, so yeah, I mean the the cemetery is great. It's it's always been our first stop, and this year it's actually going to be where we start the race. So we're going to start at the high school. We're going to meet at the high school just so there's parking available. Take a bus over to the cemetery and start there, and we'll do memorial push-ups there at the very beginning, which will be unique. Kind of just kicking it off right there. So I I think it's a very moving stop. Uh, it's got to be the most moving stop really of all of them because that's where where he's, he's laid to rest and lots of people either haven't been there or they only come once a year when they come to the walk. Yeah, definitely. That's something I think would be a very cool and neat experience. But then another thing I kind of think about is like, what do you think keeps people coming back every year to do the walk? Especially when you're adding a mile, like what for you do you think, or do you see, cause you're out there walking with them. What's the pool? Like what's that connection to make Man. them want to do yourself? <laughs> People, for people get something out of it that I don't even know how to describe because, yeah, really you think of it logically is why do people want to put themselves through this kind of pain? It takes up an entire day. Most, lots of people are driving from. I mean, lots of them aren't from Hayleville. Some people drive across the Daggum country, at least right. a few hours away, and so. And then you got the guys in, in uh, the special tactics guys who, I mean, they do that sometimes anyway, and so it's not like. They're off on the weekend. They're tired. They've been, their body's been beat to death in training, and they're going to do, choose to do this again. So there's something there that I guess there's a there's a spirit that moves in a lot of people that it's just there's no way to explain. But people love it, and for the most part, even actually, Lauren, I'd say everybody, the people who even go through some who hurt themselves, with yeah. with with few exceptions, there are some that say I'm never doing it again. I have had one or two say that. But right. But then also there's some some of those that have said that that I'm never doing it again. They come back several months later and say, you know what? I, I actually I think I might do that again. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it's just a um, there. It probably is. There's a spiritual aspect to it too, like you said with the race. Is it they're doing it for something for somebody who gave all, and so it just means something more to them. And then to see everybody in unison together, that makes it more powerful. Because I've done the walk without a group of people. And it's just, it's a little different. Uh, there's right. not as much of a, it's like there's not as much of a push almost. And pain comes easier without that group, I think. I like that. Like I said, it's definitely something that puzzles me. But so also, I just felt like I've heard some things that maybe other people would like to. What has been your coolest experience so far doing the walk with all these people? Or one that sticks out to you? It's really just seeing so many people show up every year that didn't know Mark and yeah. most of the people to taking part in the walk didn't know him. And especially now we're getting into, I mean, it'll be eight years in September. So all, all the guys in the, in the, as combat controllers, a lot of them didn't know him. Um, a lot of them were really young when he was killed now. And to, just to meet people that, that drove from like Arizona 
or that drove from North Carolina or that flew in the night before from wherever, from Virginia or somewhere and drove up and stayed in a roach infested motel somewhere. I mean, <laughs> that's the coolest thing. And, and then there are people that I have met during the walk or the night before that say, Hey, you know, I read, I read your book on Mark and that's why I became, why I wanted to be a combat controller or people have asked me some specific things about Mark, people that were in the pipeline or, or wanting to go into the military. So I do learn some new things from teammates of Mark's occasionally, and they tell me different stories. Man, yeah, I guess I hadn't thought about that, Lauren. There's a lot of – it's all positive. Okay. Actually, it's all positive. There, there's only one downside to any of it, to it, the only one negative I can think of. Yeah, that's what I wanted to know next. What would that be? What's the thing? People that can't <laughs> stay with a group. <laughs> I knew <laughs> I mean, I preach it and I preach it and I preach it and I tell people, listen, if you cannot keep up, you're going to have to drop out. Sorry, that's yeah. just the way it is. We have to stay together for safety reasons, mainly safety reasons, but also this is the purpose of this. This is not a race. We're not timing anything. Stay together right. as a group. We start together. We finish together. But there's always some people that want to walk too fast or the people that just, you know, they, they get hurt or they just can't go physically and they, they drop way back behind and they don't want to quit, right? And I, and I appreciate the never quit mentality but you're going to have to because we don't have right. the resources we have policemen that have, volu have, have volunteered to stay all day and drive two to three miles an hour with us all day long it's, that's that's got to be a boring job and you're just right. going to have to bow out but don't don't walk too fast now sometimes people get their head goes down and they get into this mode and, and they just don't realize what's happening but you know we've got the person carrying the baton at the front that changes throughout the walk but just stay together. There's no need to. There's no need to to rush it. I've done this thing several times now. I know we walk three to three and a half miles per hour. We'll have plenty of time. It's not about finishing early. We're not trying to beat any kind of deadline. Period. Right. Yeah, that's it. Is right. when I have to manage the group. That's that's the thing that that takes some joy out of it. Right. And that's understandable. And you kind of mentioned the next thing that too, I just wanted the whole baton thing. I don't think I've ever really even gotten that. I mean, I've heard you say that every year, but what what's the whole baton thing about? It's just a tangible reminder of why we're doing it. It's a it's got Mark's name on it. It's got when he was killed in action, and it's got every, the date and miles that we did of every year we've done it. And I just did that because every year that somebody is killed in the special tactics community, they do a walk from San Antonio to Herbert Field. Because it's right. kind of like where they started off in the Air Force to, to when they got into it's one of the I guess one of the combat control schools there in the, at Hurlburt, and it's it's a eight or nine hundred mile walk and they they don't if if, if there's a, a year that nobody was killed in action and that's great they don't do it but when there is they do it for all the ones that have keep being killed and they carry a baton somebody carries a baton of for one of those people who were killed so they did one the year that Mark and Danny Sanchez were killed. And you know, we met the people who carried Mark's baton all that the whole way. And David yeah. and Joseph took part there in the last last few miles of it. So that's that's kind of why we do the baton. That's why I started it anyway. Okay. Well, is there anything too that you would like people to know about the walk, or kind of maybe be prepared for, or maybe even not even just about the walk, maybe about March? Like, is there anything that you can think in your head that you could share with a lot of people about that? you would share with them? Well, I would just talk about preparation. Every year, it's it's just people tell me, 
yeah, I exercise. I'm, I don't, I, I'll say, Hey, have you, have you pra- practiced? Have you trained? Right. Oh yeah. I work out. I do CrossFit. I run whatever. And, and lots of times these people look like they're in great shape, but that doesn't make a big difference. Your feet have to get prepared just because you may walk a lot of miles throughout the day, maybe just because of your job, random miles throughout the day, but it's not the same as walking continuous nonstop. This year it'll be 28 miles. It's as I've had on the show on the website, we're going to just do the Jag 28 now instead of continuing to add miles. And I, I hated to, to slack off on that, but right. we just, we just, we had to for, I mean, we, we've got a lot of people volunteering to help. We just had to do it. So just train right. and train where I'm talking about everything, socks, underwear, um, backpack, anything, your shoes, anything that you would wear the day of the walk, you need to train with it because there's a lot of things that can come up. There's a lot of blood that we've seen over yeah. the years and people just aren't prepared. And some of them who shall remain nameless, they just, they know they're not going to prepare, but they know they're going to do it every year. And he finishes it every year and he's angry. And, but that's just, that's how my good buddy Chris is. And he's broken <laughs> bones and, and he's had some nasty blisters. I mean, nasty. And I've shared, I've shared them on uh, Facebook. Thanks, so, yeah, um, just be prepared. Uh, that's all I'm saying is it's not what you think. And yeah, there's a physical thing aspect to it of, you know, your legs, your legs getting tired maybe, but if you're in just decent shape, I mean, that, I don't think that'll be the issue. It's your feet, your feet. I don't care what kind of shape you're in. You got to have your feet ready. So figure out right. how to get them, get them prepared to do the walking because I've seen, I've seen people that look like they're in great shape of all ages and they're done before it's over. They cannot finish. Right. That's it. I mean, it's it's great. I, the way I look at it is just put, I think it's great to put ourselves through a little bit of pain and discomfort for a little while to show some respect for someone who went through a lot more pain and discomfort for a much longer period of time in training and then in the hot Afghanistan sun and being shot at. I mean, just what all these people go through that are that are protecting us and all over the world and and then those who give all. I mean, we can... We can suck it up and go for a little bit of pain to honor them. Right. Now, okay. now that I say that, I'll probably like break my foot this year or something. Don't say that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, Lauren. Thanks for um, shedding some light on the race and let me talk a little bit about the walk. I hope people enjoy the just some of the the history behind it and behind the scenes stuff, and then I hope they're prepared. And I hope we have a huge turnout this year. I mean it. We usually, how many racers do we usually have between one and 250 or what, what's the? Yes. Yeah. It's about, it stays around like 150, 175, right around there every year, give or take a little bit, but sometimes we can get over two, but yeah, definitely we'd love to see the numbers skyrocket if we could. Yeah. That's the thing is it hasn't gotten as big as we thought it would by now has as far as just numbers of right number of racers. Yeah. It, and like you said, it, number of racers, like, I just thought, I guess when we first started this, like, we would just have all these racers, and it would just become just this race. Um, and it hasn't done that Yeah, I mean, we haven't got this number of races, but it's not just a race either. It's definitely some, like, weird family reunion or something, and everybody's just putting themselves through pain through. But definitely I'd like to add some people to it if we could, because it is, I'm telling you, I, my nephews will tell you, Bradley and Wade look for it to every year. 
it is a mind-blowing experience for these young children to go shake the hand of these soldiers and these men and women who have sacrificed not even just active duty but veterans they don't forget their names they don't forget their faces and they don't forget the feeling they feel when they're there so it's definitely something that you an experience that you will not forget um but also like you said it's just a great time to honor you know mark not only mark but those who've gone and sacrificed so much so yeah yeah and i i I can't thank so many people enough for helping support we've got people that you know they just drive all day and volunteer they they fall i know for the walkers um man just drive around and and offer water and drinks all day to us and then pass us and get to the next stop and help out and the policemen i mean that, that not only lead us and trail us but also block traffic man mm-hmm. it's there's just so many good people and we could never thank everybody enough and all the volunteers yeah i mean i know lauren people are asking you all the time what they can do people are asking me mm-hmm. and lots of times i send them to you unfortunately i just got a new one to ask the other day and i think she's gonna she's probably gonna help with the walk i'll, I'll have to get back with her because she says she cannot do the walk due to an injury but she wants to help so she's gonna drive up from birmingham um, but you know I always look at the walk as my baby and it's 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 really important to me and I'm I'm kind of like on a high that day and it's busy and especially sometimes it's it's a little annoying to have to to manage people that won't stay together but at the same time I don't even realize I have not even I have never felt pain on the day of the walk and I may jinx myself and feel it this year but there's just something special about it that I don't feel the hills uphill or downhill, and I'm just doing it for my buddy. So thank you for listening to Patriot to the Core and my conversation with Lauren Tinker today. Really appreciate her friendship, her loyalty to Mark and to the foundation and all the hard work that she and her sisters and her parents and her brothers-in-law and all the many other people do to help support the foundation and, and the, the race and the walk. I'm going to ask you to do a few things, please. First of all, if you would go to Apple Podcast or to Stitcher, if you listen to the podcast, those methods, and please rate the podcast. It's very easy if you're on your iPhone. Man, it's so easy. Scroll down there to the bottom. It's going to say write a review. It's also going to say rate, so you can rate five stars, and then you can write a review. You can do either or, but both would be preferred. Also, if you would uh, check out my Patreon page, that's just a way that you can be an insider, if you want to call it that, and... Um, get something in return for helping out the cause. And one other thing is I've always released episodes every two weeks. The Those episodes, that frequency may be changed soon. It may be less frequent than two weeks. I've just got some changes going on professionally, so I cannot put as high of a priority on the podcast right now. So you just may see more than two weeks go in between episodes. If that kills you too bad, then I am sorry. But thank you for your for continuing to listen to the podcast.